Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. I want to begin with the idea of a metaphor. There's a, a psalm, Psalm 18, uh, verse 13, and it says... Lord thundered from heaven. And he's using a metaphor, right? It's, it's a weather metaphor to describe God's voice. And if you've ever been in a thunderstorm, you understand what he's talking about. Like the, the, the power, the might, the, the kind of the, the fear-inspiring majesty of God's voice. The voice of the Lord thundered from heaven. It's a metaphor. A uh, 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 metaphor is basically, you know, you're, you're, you're going to take words or phrases um, that denote one type of object or idea and use them to describe another type of object or idea. And I just am curious, uh, as we talk about love today, what metaphor do you use when you talk about relationships? What metaphor, what what? descriptors, what metaphor do you use when you talk about relationships? Uh, we are in the series called The Gospel Tool. This is the last week of the series, and we're literally spelling out what disciples of Jesus do. There was a movie years ago that was very quotable. I don't even know if I've seen the movie, but everyone quotes it all the time, and it's called Office Space. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Office Space. And there's the Bobs come and they have these employees that they're bringing in one by one. And there's an employee that they're not really sure what he does, right? He's there, but nobody knows what he does. And so he asked the famous question that maybe you've asked your coworkers before, what would you say you do around here? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? What would you say you do around here? Well, I want you to be able to answer the question as a follower of Jesus, what do I do? And so we came up with um, a simple tool. In fact, I've got some copies of this in the back and it's just, it's a good old fashioned bookmark. There's, these are free, they're on the back table and it just spells out the basic activities that we engage in as followers of Jesus. The G stands for grow in the truth. The O stands for obey what you learn. The S stands for serve others. The P is to pray about everything. The E we talked about last week is evangelize the lost. We talked about telling our stories and our three words. And then this week, I want to talk about love one another. Love one another. Seems like one of the the more basic commands, the basic ideas of Christianity that we're to love one another. And I'm just curious how you talk about love, what metaphors you use. Um, I'm going I'm to write some ideas here. So one thing that we say is that you value people, right? If you have friends in your life, your, your family, you might say that you, you value those people. Another phrase that you might say is that you, you invest 
in your relationships, right? You're, you're going you're, you're, you're to invest in those people. So you're, you invest in your relationships. Are there any other ideas that are coming to your mind as I'm starting to use these words? The people that are closest to you, you might describe them as priceless, right? Your children, your spouse, your pastor, priceless, right? Yeah, I know, I know. When, when you're getting to know someone, you're going to spend your time with them, right? Or you should, right? And, and when you're spending time with young people, when you go on a date, don't, don't look at your cell phone the whole time, okay? Just listen to Pastor Chris. You're going to spend time with a person, if, if you're getting to know someone, you know, a little bit better and you do something special, you might say, we're going to go bond, right? We bonded. We, we went fishing and we bonded. You, you might trade favors. Hey, look, if you can help me do this, I'll help you do that, right? We're, we're going to trade favors. Uh, when you're hurt, by someone, you might do what many of us do, which is what? Withdraw. We're going to withdraw from each other because we've been hurt. We're encouraged in churches, right? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And the pastor says, keep what? Short accounts in your relationships. Y'all heard that before? Short accounts. That's terrible handwriting, by the way. Short accounts, if you can't read what that says. When your relationship is really down in the dumps, you might say, man, it's, it's bankrupt. Bankrupt. Now, what kind of metaphor is that that, that we use? It's, it's what? Money. It's an economic metaphor. We talk about love like we talk about money, value, invest, priceless, spend, bond, trade, withdraw, short accounts, bankrupt. But what if the person that you're in relationship with doesn't get the return that they were expecting? What if they choose to pull their investment out of you and maybe invest it somewhere else? What if a shiny new person comes into their lives and they decide to ditch the old and to spend their time on the new? What about the, the ways that we kind of craftily often subconsciously trade approval and attention and affirmation to give or to withhold in order to reward what we like in a person or to tax them for the things that we don't like. You see, using love like money isn't that great after all. And the metaphor begins to fail us when we think about how we use love, how we use love. And we're going to look today, 
for a better metaphor. We're, we're, we're going to look for a better metaphor. We're, we're going to be looking in 1 John chapter 3. If you have a copy of scriptures, go there with me right now. 1 John chapter 3. And this is uh, John, one of the disciples of Jesus. He also wrote the gospel of John. And what I love about John is that John refers to himself in the gospel as the disciple that Jesus loved. There's a, a story uh, after the resurrection where he's running with Peter towards the tomb. And he just puts a little detail in there that he got there before Peter. He ran a little bit faster, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I just wonder if he kind of like irritated some of the other disciples talking like that all the time, right? Like, I'm clearly Jesus' favorite, okay? The disciple whom Jesus loved. And he uses the word phileo love, the disciple who Jesus phileo loved, which is brotherly affection. What we're going to read about in 1 John chapter 3, the one that Jesus loved is going to teach us about love, and he's going to use the word agape in Greek, which is the divine kind of love. So 1 John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 11. Read along with me. He says, for this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Verse 12, unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. If you go back to Genesis chapter 4, you can read the whole story of Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, and how uh, Abel offers an offering, and Cain offers a different kind of offering. And the Lord, it says the Lord did not receive Cain's offering, but he, he enjoyed Abel's offering. And Cain gets jealous, and he invites his brother out into a field, and he murders him, right? Verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Verse 19, this is how we will know that we belong to the truth. And we'll reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Keep going. Verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in him. Now this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. As he commanded us, this is the word of the Lord. So John, the disciple that Jesus phileo loved, is going to teach us here about Greek agape, love, the divine love 
of God. And he repeats this phrase for us, love one another, love one another, love one another. That's what we're talking about today. The first thing that I think we need to understand from what John teaches us is that we're to let the love of Jesus distinguish us. Point one, let the love of Jesus distinguish you. Let it distinguish you. I, uh, I, I remember as a kid, I would go with my family to like these festivals. There was like a Kerrville folk festival. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like an arts and crafts show. It's vendors everywhere and painters and artists and sculptors and all these cool things everywhere and food. And my dad has a, a, a famous boisterous laugh. In fact, he was here during Encounter Retreat, and some of you even said, you know, Carrie, your laugh, like, I, I, will, I will never forget your laugh. It's just a, it's a, it's a strong laugh, and, and I love his laugh, because when you're in a crowd and you're lost as a child, in, in the middle of a festival, you just, you just sit there and listen, and then you'll hear my dad telling a story to someone out there and just laughing. And he laughs so loud. It's like you could literally find him in a crowd. It's like the distinguishing mark of my dad is he's got this laugh. It's this wonderful thing. And what John says is, look, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you follow him, what should distinguish your life is love. Love for one another. This should be what distinguishes you from all the other people on planet Earth, is that you love one another. It's what distinguishes the disciples. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Isn't it like morality and holiness in being set apart? Like, isn't that, that that's what's supposed to define or distinguish the followers of Jesus because he's holy and we're to be holy just as he's holy. And, and here's what I would say is, yes, but Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I command. Greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on this. Everything is rooted in love. It's what distinguishes us. John 13, 34 through 35, we have the words of Jesus, and it says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It reminds me of the Greek word character, where we get our word character. And the idea of that word is that it was like a, an engraver's tool. Like there's something that gets so etched into you, so deep into you, that it's like the imprint that you never get rid of. It's like it's always right there. And, and that's how the love of God, it, it, it does something to us. It changes us in a way that we're imprinted. We're engraved with the love of God. And it's what distinguishes us. It's what gives us the character, right? I, I love things with character that have like some, you know, scratches and, and just like, you know, just it's not too pristine. Like I love that. And, and that's how it is with the love of God. It's like we have these marks in us that are engraved in us, the, the character, the love of Jesus. It's the culture of his people to be loving. 
But he's not just talking about a generic love, right? Love, love everyone, love the world, love the whales, love, love everything. He, he's not even talking about love of neighbor, which we are commanded to love our neighbor. And John's not talking about loving our enemies, which we are commanded to love our enemies. But what John is specifically talking about is loving your fellow believer, your brother and your sister in Christ. We're to love one another, to to live from the new heart that Christ gives us is to love our fellow Christians. The second thing that I think we we need to understand from what John is saying is look to Jesus as the ultimate definition of love. Look to Jesus as the ultimate definition of love. Here's why I say that. You can have the same words, but a different dictionary. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, uh, I remember years and years ago, I went to Seoul, South Korea. We had a church plant there, and we were going to encourage them and do some work with them. We were going to spend like a month there, and food in South Korea is like very different. You know, they serve fish with the eyeballs still in them, right? And that freaks me out. Okay, that scares me. Like, I, I'm like, you know, I need a steak and mashed potatoes and green beans. Like, that's just that's like how I eat, right? So we find a McDonald's, and I'm like, yes. I love McDonald's. This is like American food. I go in and I order a Big Mac, and what I get is not a Big Mac, okay? It's not. It says it's a Big Mac. It's not the same thing. We have the same menu, but we have different meanings. The flavors were totally different. It was tailored to the culture. And we have to be careful because words like love can be craftily tailored towards a culture. Does that make sense? In, in, in the name of love, we could do lots of things. In fact, we could do things that are actually opposite of what scriptures call us to do or, or that embrace standards that are opposite of what the Bible declares about things because we're loving and we're supposed to love people. We're supposed to be a church of love. And if we really loved people, then we would fill in the blank of whatever cultural moment you're in. And that's why we need, we need not a, a definition of love that's tailored to culture. We need a, defin, a definition that transcends culture. And that's what we have in the work of Jesus. That's what he says in verse 11. He tells us, right, we should love one another. This is this thing that we've heard from the beginning. And then in verse 16, he tells us kind of the definition of that. And he says, look, um, we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters because he laid down his life for us. That's the definition of love. That Jesus laid down his life for for you. The definition of love is in the shape of a cross. It's what it means to love. And if we're going to talk about being people of love and and a church of love, we need to make sure that we have the same dictionary. It's not defined by us. God has defined defined it for us. And love, according to Jesus, is not this surface level kind of love. It's a sacrificial kind of love. 
Love is self-giving for the benefit of, the, for an, of another person. In John 15, he said, no one has greater love than this than he laid down his life for his friends. And he tells them, you're my friends. If you do what I command you. And later he says, and this is my command, love one another. His love transcends culture. Laying down our lives for Christ and another. I, I, I think a lot of times we, you, you, maybe you heard a sermon one time about the end times and you know, the antichrist and persecution and you're like, I'm gonna be ready. I will lay down my life for Jesus, right? And that's what you're thinking when we talk about laying down our lives, like, man, I'm gonna be ready. If you know, the, you know, this oppressive government comes in, I'll be ready to lay down my life for Jesus. But when your wife asks you to pass the butter, you're like, whoa. For real? You want me to do something for you? <laughs> right? See, we picture big, heroic moments of laying down our lives. You know, you, you jump in front of a gun or a car to protect your family and you lay down your life. But what about the daily, mundane, simple ways that we are called to lay down our lives for the people closest to us? Because I think that's what, what we have to really consider. You could be waiting for the moment that never comes when you're gonna lay down your life. When Jesus says, no, no, right now, today, take up your cross, lay down your life, follow me. This is how we love one another. We sacrifice for them. Third thing, and this is interesting to me as I studied this this week. He says, leave a trail of loving actions you might need it someday. I don't know if you caught that in what John said, to leave a trail of loving actions because you might need it someday because he starts talking about self-condemnation. In verse 18, he says, little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Meaning, you know, talk can be so Cheap. We, we could write cheap on here because that's like an economic metaphor, right? Talk and be so cheap, but here's what I want you to do. Love and action and honestly, in truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth. Oh, how was that? Because we loved in action and in truth. This is how we'll know that we belong to the truth and we'll reassure our hearts before him. What's he talking about? Right? Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. What John knows is that you and I are going to face moments where we, where we have that inner critic that comes up inside of us and tells us like, are you even a Christian? Do you, do you even know God? I mean, all these other people have all these great things happening in their life, and they could tell you stories about how the Lord spoke to them and all, but you have nothing, like, you have nothing going on, and you have this inner critic that takes over and begins to condemn yourself before God. And he says, look, you, you need to leave a trail of loving actions behind you whenever your heart begins to condemn you, because when the fog of condemnation settles on your life, you need to have breadcrumbs so you can follow back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I, I remember. I, I've, I've been doing these things to love other people. And he says, this is how we'll know that we're in the truth. This is how. Not with a great story of an angelic sighting. Because you loved people honestly with active, sacrificial things. Leave a trail because you're probably going to need it. You're going to have moments where your heart condemns you, where the critic comes and is like, you're worthless, you do nothing, you have no walk with God, you're a fraud. And John wants to equip you for that moment to say, no, no, no. Here's how we're, we're going to reassure our hearts before God. He says, look, if you're in the condemnation, how can you even pray? You need to reassure your hearts with a trail behind you. Look in the rear view. What's behind you? Do you see the breadcrumbs of loving actions? This could look like what he says in verse 17. You have the world's goods and you see a fellow believer in need. And you do something, you give them something, you help them. You're just loving them in action and in truth. Whenever my mom passed away, you guys were amazing and y'all sent food and gift cards and you blessed us, you loved us in action and in truth. Thank you. It could look like moving somebody. This week, Ali moved and I got to see four or five of you show up and just like in, in hours, like boom, we're moved. It was amazing. Thank you. We uh, could simply be, when, we, when you see that person at church and you're like, love you, praying for you, and like then you never think of that person ever again. Y'all ever done that before? Praying for you, bro. No, you're not. <laughs> you never prayed for that person. Why do you say that? What if you just actually said, love you, praying for you, and then you prayed for them? That would be a simple action. Where you carve out time in your morning, your day, and you're like, I'm just going to pray for them. Like, I'm, I'm just going to put my phone away and my other stuff away and my work can wait for a minute. I'm just going to stop and I'm going to pray. I'm going to just, I'm going to sacrifice because I, I, I care about that person. It could be a note of encouragement to a person. Simple thing. You know, it could be giving to your local church. I know. You think the church is out for your money, trying to get your money. I'm, I'm not out for your money. I'm just saying, when you give to your church, you're doing things that help us bless people. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't broadcast every need that comes through the church. But as a church, we're, we're taking care of one another. It's a simple way. You can go back and be like, oh yeah, I've been helping my church. That was an act of love. An act of sacrifice. So, John tells us, let the love of Jesus distinguish you. Look to Jesus as the ultimate definition of love and leave a trail of loving actions because you might need it someday. So, have you come up with a better metaphor yet? 
Have you thought of maybe a different way to talk about love and talk about relationships? I, I want to propose a metaphor to you, not a perfect one, but I like it. And the metaphor is of a magnet. Thinking about love like a magnet. And just think about the words that we might use to describe a, a, a magnet. You know, magnetism is a quality that we observe in our universe, right? We, we know it's there. We just don't know exactly how it got here or why it's here. Science can't really figure that out. It's just, it is. It's something that happens here. And um, we... Uh, we have uh, ways that we talk about magnetism when you uh, might say someone has a magnetic personality. Have you said that before? Such a magnetic personality. You've heard someone say that, right? They have a, they have a quality about their life, right? That's, there's something about them that's attractive, right? It's, it, it just kind of, it's just like you, you get close and it's just, there's, I don't know, you can't feel this, but when I get close with this magnet, it's like pulling it onto there. It, it has a an attractive quality, or it, or it draws, it draws people close. Um, it holds, right? It sticks. You probably have these on your fridge, right? It, it sticks onto there. It brings people close. And I was thinking about how a magnet is made. I, I was Googling this because I, I, I couldn't remember from school, but this is a, this is a piece of iron right here. It's, it's a metal. And the way that this is magnetized is you take a, a strong magnet and you take the iron and you just kind of like rub it on that strong magnet. And what happens is the, the poles inside the atoms of this iron are realigned in such a way that now all of a sudden it has a new quality, a, a new energy about it that makes it attract. It makes it magnetized, right? It's, it's, it's changed on the inside. And I was thinking about what the love of Christ does to us as people. It, it realigns things inside of us. It, it changes the polarity of our hearts in such a way that we're actually, it's like we, we just stick together as the body of Christ. It's this ability to draw and to attract and to hold together. Uh, another metaphor that we could possibly use, it's not a very good metaphor, is tape. Right now, if if you have a piece of tape and you put it on there, it sticks and it holds until you pull it off, right? And then it's got like the cardboard residue on there and you try to stick it on there again. It's like, it's just, it, it doesn't hold anymore. It can only stick for so long. And I think that's our, our love in the flesh is more like that. It's, it's like, it's there, but then if it gets ripped apart too many times, it doesn't hold together anymore. We, we need something like a magnet. Something that changes us on the inside. In 1 John 3, 1, the part that we didn't read leading up to this passage, he says, see what great love the Father has given us. Your translation might say, he has lavished upon us. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called God's children. And we are.
I think you see the point that I'm trying to make is that there's nothing that can make you more loving than the very love of Jesus himself. I was thinking about um, all the stuff that comes in between us in the body of Christ. We have, uh, we have past hurts. We have little personality quirks. Right? We, we have sinful tendencies. I have them. You have them. And um, the cool thing about the magnet is, look, it still holds. Even with this stuff in the way, like, it still holds. And, you know, there, there might be some ways, like, it, it, without the love of God, we could say, you know, I, I can get over a lot of that stuff. That's, that's, that's no problem. That's cool. But, but then we, we start getting other layers. We have um, political, theological ethnic and cultural differences, right? You, you speak in tongues, and I think that's crazy talk. You, you, you vote on the other side of the aisle from me. You know, you, you're just really different from me. But even that, it's like we can still hold together. Sometimes it's worse than that, though. We, we, we have... Not only that, but we have opinions on health and medicine. Some of you are like, only essential oils. That's how we, that's how we roll. Some of you are like, I, I take Advil, you know? That's fine. Some of you are vegans, like Dave back there, right? Smitty. Some of you eat everything. Some of you only eat like sugar and donuts, right? And that's just, that's you, Okay. You have socioeconomic differences, right? What side of the tracks did you grow up on? Right? We've, we have all these things that could keep us from sticking together, yet somehow it doesn't keep us from holding together. And that's the beauty of the love of Jesus. Even when we have lots of stuff in the way, lots of things that could make us not want to stick together, like, if I were to take tape and put it on there, it's like, it's just going to fall off. <laughs> it only sticks to the top layer. We need something stronger. We need the magnetic love of God. And so I just want to ask you, as we talk about loving one another, have you received God's love for you? Is it a theological abstraction, or is it the living reality of your heart? Is, is the love of Jesus that was displayed when he laid down his life for you. Is that like, man, that's my anchor. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm living in. That's what I'm depending on, the sacrificial love of Jesus. Are, are you still looking to all the people around you that hopefully will, you know, you know, it, it, they'll, they'll you know, lift you up with their valuing and, and all the ways that they're going to invest in you? Or, or have you found something greater, something stronger? a better metaphor for living? Have you sensed the love of God drawing you? Because it is. The cross was for you. Jesus died for you. And when you come into proximity with that kind of love, it realigns, it, it, it changes us on the inside to where we can hold together as the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.